0: Welcome to our second episode of TSPN. Anna and I would just like to thank all of you who have listened, who have watched, who have given us the most incredible feedback on our first episode. It's been an amazing week,
1: right, Anna? It has. Oh my gosh, what a crazy launch. Um, I semi-regretted creating a launch date and then holding ourselves to a deadline at around 11 p.m. on January 11th as we were kind of like wrapping up our final cuts. But I'm so glad we did because it really made sure that we got the content out when we initially wanted to. And the final product turned out great. And I'm so glad that you guys received it well. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to some changes that we'll be making just to the sound quality, the video quality, all of that. But for everyone who has listened and supported us like huge, thank you. I am so overwhelmed by the numbers that we're seeing as far as listens go. And, um, one little fact, so Jesse, I hadn't told you this yet, but um, as of today, so it is Sunday, January 14th that we're going to be filming this because we're just trying to get a little ahead. So I'm not scrapping until Thursday night at 11 p.m. Um, but for our first episode, only 73% of the listeners were United States based. So that means we have over 25% of those who have listened thus far are international. Oh and, like, my Goodness! Isn't that crazy? Let me. Pull, Hello let me to up. our international Swifties. Woo woo! So we had almost five percent Canadian. We've got almost four percent in Germany. We've got the United Kingdom, Australia, South Africa, Finland, Sweden, uh, Spain, Mexico. I mean, it really drifts off after there to being a really small percent. So after that, it's probably like one Swiftie in the final countries. But all the ones that I just listed, the percentages are saying it's definitely like multiples and it blows my mind blows my mind so yeah super exciting and um so we're really looking forward to continuing to grow that and of course um you know just having regular content for you guys because uh taylor's always given us good stuff so for this episode we're going to talk a little bit about the chiefs game that occurred this past weekend so on january 13th a little bit to look ahead on the next weekend Then Jesse and I are going to do another top three spot. So this time we'll only do one. On our last episode, we did three. But after the feedback that was given, it was absolutely a fan favorite. So we'll keep kind of inserting top three segments in. It might not be every single episode, but we'll absolutely be appearing more frequently. I think it gives us good structure to talk about some things without being so centralized around current events. And definitely,
0: if you lovers have suggestions for us on what top three you want to hear from us, let us know. Yes,
1: yes, tspodnetwork.com is the website. That's one of the best ways to reach out. If you inbox us, there's just a lot going on. So um, we'll definitely get your inquiry. And then also, shout out, hold on, we got an inquiry today, like right before we started recording. And it warmed my heart and just gave me a burst of like, the reason why we're doing this. So shout out to Stacy Turner. She just sent us a little note through our website, just saying that she had listened to our first episode, loved it and said that you guys are the best. And I just felt like that was one of those things where I'm like, That's exactly what I wanted to hear because this is a lot of work and Jesse and I have absolutely been pouring our heart and souls into this. And so we're thrilled that not only Stacy, but so many people on the TikTok comments and inboxes, just letting us know how they feel. And um, it's been so positive. Thank you guys. Definitely, absolutely. Thank you, Stacy. Yeah, and Jesse, what are we wrapping up with? This is your favorite topic for today.
0: Okay, so we are going to be talking about the Grammys. A little bit of history on the Grammys. Um, but I'm really excited about today's top three. Yes. This well, is right first- up my
1: alley, you know. This today's top three, once we get through the Chiefs wrap up, is going to be top three things that we are still holding on to as far as theories go. And this will lead into um, the reason I want to talk
0: about the Grammys, because I have a new theory for you guys. I even haven't heard this one yet. She was like theorizing it earlier. And so this will be a surprise for me, too. Yes, Um, this is the first theory I have done on the podcast and not
1: on my TikTok page. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. I'm excited. All right. So first, let's talk a little bit about the weekend with football and Taylor because it's Taylor's world and we're just living in it. So the Chiefs played the Miami Dolphins this weekend at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. It was negative degrees. All I know is the wind chill was like 30 and Taylor showed up in the most fabulous coat. Like, did you, how did you feel when you saw her for the first time? I, well, I freaked out a
0: little bit because it was the first time she wore Kelsey 87 on her back. So that was a first.
1: Yeah. But. And like you and I can wear Kelsey 87 on the back of our backs. and I mean shit. But like for Taylor, I think that like I'm, I'm learning through the social media, like WAG wives and girlfriends of professional athletes that once you start wearing the name, that's like a much bigger deal.
0: Yes, so that was the first thing I noticed right away. But then I mean the the jacket is spectacular. It's custom made, and I think you have more on this. Um Brittany Mahomes had on the same exact jacket except
1: it was fifteen. Yeah, so Brittany Mahomes actually had a little bit of a shorter version because Taylor's so tall. She got that nice, like, longer um, silhouette. But the designer is named Kristen Juszczyk. So she is actually the wife of a player in the NFL. And his name is Kyle Juszczyk, and he is on the 49ers. And honestly, when Taylor came out, my husband was basically like, he's like, oh, wow, that's a big coat. And I was like, Dan, Dan, this is a fashion moment, like, and I'm not a fashion girly. And when Taylor, like just with her little, she had the little beanie cap on. And I mean, she looked phenomenal. Like that coat was a fashion moment. And I'm really hoping that this will start to kind of ignite, some new apparel for women in the sports categories because like we are willing and able to buy sports team stuff. And I'm not just talking the Chiefs. It's not just like Swifties going ham and wanting, you know, Chiefs gear because Taylor is dating Travis. I'm talking about like your local sports team. There is such an absence of like true fashion. And so for Taylor to show up in a custom piece like that, that looked just freaking phenomenal. Loved it.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. And I also think it was really, really sweet that she gave her scarf to a fan. I saw So, it. <laughs> I mean, what a
1: lucky fan. Like, she won.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you
1: see the sign that the fan had that said feeling negative 22? Yes, I loved it. I loved it. That was iconic. Um, but yeah, Taylor looked like she had a great time. I just think it um, was a great example of where she's really coming into her own. She was kind of hanging out of the box at one point and high-fiving with fans. And I just feel like she's entering her, like, I don't give a fuck era. If you go back a few years, if she was acting like this, the media would be all over her. And they will be still, but you know, even more so than they are now about how she's self-centered or you know making everything about her and just all the things that we would call women. And so I just love that she's doing it because She's almost like impermeable at this point to the criticism because she's going to get it regardless. Well, she's doubling
0: down. She's doubling yeah. down,
1: is what she's doing.
0: And it's, she, yeah, she doesn't care. Um, her, you know, she's a staple right now at the Chiefs games. It's kind of like it's not as
1: crazy as it was a couple months ago to see her there. It's almost expected. Yeah. So then we've got this weekend and then there will be one more game ahead of the Super Bowl. And then between that game and the Super Bowl, we've got the Grammys. So the next few weekends are going to be very hip hop and happening. And we definitely expect to see a lot of Taylor out and about. Definitely.
0: All right. Well, let's go into our top three and then we will go into our
1: Grammys theory. All right. So for this week's top three, we are going to talk about fan theories that we are still holding on to. Okay. Because Taylor loves to leave us Easter eggs. If you are new to the Swifty fandom, let's give a little background, Jesse, on what an Easter egg is and why it is. It's not even something we believe in. The Easter eggs, the theories, how she leaves us clues is absolutely fact. She has verified it many times.
0: Absolutely. So When Taylor first started actually giving the bigger, more complex Easter eggs was probably in the lover era. So getting more intricate and more intricate and more intricate in them all the way up through now. She's even mentioned, you know, they're very detailed. She has three tiers of Easter eggs and she's talked about this. The first tier is very in your face. Like you get it, like you see it, you get it. The it's like a fingernail movie. color maybe, right? Like what's a good example of that? What she's wearing? The lover sign in the lover video. That would be the name of the album, you know? Or it uh-huh. was in the me. So the lover sign was in me. the me music. Was, me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Um, so the lover sign in the me video, that was very in your face. Um you know, nail polish colors, something that you just see right away and you know, oh, that's an Easter egg. Yep. Now tier two would be a little bit more hidden things that are, um, you really have to look for. So off the top of my head, I would think back to like maybe the anti-hero music video and how she had the Koi guitar and how that represents Speak Now. Um, you know, opening the eggs and you have the glitter come out and that's, you know, the sign, just different things that are a little bit more intricate. Tier three are items we may not have even found yet. So those are very intricate numerology,
1: astrology, things that are. Yeah. Like in reference to other artists, culture, One thing, too, that she has said is that she will choose very important dates because the numbers of those dates add up to 13. Um, So that's a good example when people say like, oh, if you have to do math, that's not an Easter egg. No, homegirl loves math and she loves numerology. Yes. Like she will choose really important things. And that's why I had actually made a TikTok recently about where um, Travis Kelsey's first game uh, to see Taylor, the one where he made the friendship bracelet that he supposedly had his phone number on. I, I don't really believe that he actually did that. And I'm just saying I feel like that's a little weird to put your phone number on a bracelet. But um, that was on 7 8 His football number is eight, seven, like things like that are really meaningful to Taylor. She's even said that the number 31, which is 13 backwards, 13 being her favorite number has just as much significance to her. So 31 is another number to kind of look out for. Um, She has also had in her music videos like times on clocks behind her. I know the I Can See You music video, which came out this past summer in 2023, there was a ton of numerology clues, like even some of the buttons that were within the, the van, the little spy van. They had different, you know, five colors, then two colors, then seven colors. Like, all of that could be a date. It could be cluing to future album. Um, I mean, what else could the numbers, like, attract numbers? Honestly, ever
0: since she started talking about numerology and how into it she is, you just kind of see it happen. Like, even in Mm -hmm. my own life, I've kind of paid more attention to it, and I'm just like, Wow, things really do kind of add up. Just like certain things too with her. I know that she's very um since she's so into numerology, I think that if something happens, it is very meaningful to her. Like Travis Kelsey's birthday is the same birthday as Marjorie, her grandmother. Yes. That's huge. In
1: Taylor's eyes, that's a huge sign to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An invisible string type. Yeah, yeah, well, and I do think even we talked on the last one, I believe, about the pairing of surprise songs. So she may choose a track one and a track nine, and then we're like, okay, nineteen, January 9th, September first. Like there, you know, there's all these things, and you might think we're crazy. It's not just Jesse and I when I say we. I'm talking about all the theorists. Um, mm-hmm. But she does validate those things, and she does release things that align. I feel like. 70% of the guesses are absolutely incorrect but you got to you got to keep kind of theorizing and she loves this stuff. There was a talk show that she was on recently about how she made the mistake of you know even realizing how much fun we were having with it because she was already having fun with it and now she's like how much more layered can I get? That was the talk show where she mentioned can I put something out there that I'm planning three years in advance, which, of course, now we're like, shit, three years, a long time, like, you know, and and to think about it in that way is that, like, there are things that are going to come out soon that she might have been hinting at way back when. And you really know it once it comes out, you start to kind of piece the things together, Um, And there may be things that she plants today that never come to fruition. And I think that's what kind of keeps everyone guessing is that she is planning, but it doesn't mean everything kind of comes out.
0: Well, and when I go back and watch some of those interviews from a couple of years ago, I pick up on more things now than I did then, because sometimes she'll put something out in a music video or she'll say something and we won't get it at the time, but eventually we're going to get it. And for people that say, you know, oh, it's not that deep, her her Easter eggs are not that deep. She leaves the deepest Easter eggs of any artist I have ever known.
1: Yeah, well, she loves it. So to say that it's not that deep is actually discounting the fun in the fandom, because this is not something somebody just made up. The the theories are not a theory, right? The, The theories as a whole have been talked about by Taylor in many interviews, and so I think saying it's not that deep is invalidating the experience that she's trying to create for her fans. And then also she said that like planning stuff ahead, it's just, it's a flex on planning. She's literally said that it's like her being able to plant these things. She's proving to the fans, like you don't know everything. I am absolutely masterminding, you know, mastermind, like the track in Midnights. She is proud to be somebody who is this kind of cryptic and Machiavellian to quote the mastermind lyrics she she's loving it so anyway
0: so i just want to bring something up really fast this time cover there were three different time covers this one with benjamin is absolutely 100 an easter egg i don't know what it's for
1: but it's an easter egg for something well we'll play back that clip in three years whenever we figure it the hell out
0: Mm Hmm.
1: yeah well, and the other thing you had mentioned was the layered Easter eggs really coming about in the lover era. And I do agree. I think that's where she really started to expand on it. I though so let's go back to look what she made me do, which was her first music video from Reputation. And she said that there were thousands of Easter eggs and it will take decades for us to figure it out. I mean, there are some scenes in Rep, uh, or the Look What You Made Me Do music video that I still, like, when they're on the motorbikes and they're in the spiked stuff and she picks up the two bikes, like, I'm like, what is this? Like, I just, there's so much about it. And I'm sure she has some game plan, even five years from now, that music video is years old as we speak that she may, um, you know, there may be ideas in her head that she wants to bring to fruition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get to our
0: theories. These are theories that are top three theories that we are just not quite ready to let go of yet.
1: So my number three theory That I still think is going to come to fruition, it's a very kind of small one, but I I think it's a good one, is Nicki Minaj and Sagittarius. There is something with that, and it is so recent and so loud that I feel like it's probably more imminent than some of the other ones. Okay, so ahead of the 2023 VMAs, which Nicki Minaj was set to host, she had retweeted a tweet that had mentioned that Taylor Swift and Nicki Minaj are the only two female artists with 100 or more Billboard Hot Hot 100 entries in their careers. So when she retweeted that stat – She said, Fighting the urge to say Sagittarius stings right now so bad. So Taylor shows up to the awards, and during one of the um, acceptance speeches, Nikki actually presented her with the award. When Taylor got up there, they hugged. And one of the first things that Taylor said was, She looked over at Nikki and she goes, That's my favorite Sagittarius right there. And Nikki had like a vibrant and happy reaction to it. And we're like, What the hell does that mean? Like, obviously, they're both Sagittariuses. Like, that's not. Disputed. It's just like very odd behavior. And this reminds me of kind of one of those in your face Easter eggs that like Taylor's not being subtle about. And then we had the 1989 vault track puzzle game through Google where we were tasked with unscrambling words. And one of the words that was in that puzzle was unscrambling Sagittarius. So like this is all happening within probably a month and it felt very loud and very in our face. And what like what's happening i initially thought that we were going to maybe get a vault track from 1989 called sagittarius or she was going to be part of the double album theory that we were potentially thinking 1989 was going to have like a rock version like there were all these different clues and we are sitting here in january and i have no clue what it meant
0: i mean but look at her fashion choices too throughout that time up until now constellations astronomy she had a sagittarius
1: handbag. Yes. Well, and on the website, the, um, in the stars of the holiday collection homepage, there was a like hidden collection called all the stars aligned and you had to kind of hover your mouse over the sky and you would click it and shout out to JJ, I believe is the one who put the, um, marker on his screen and then was able to, you know, figure out that that constellation was actually Sagittarius. So, yep. Um, yeah, very I agree. to meet yeah, I think it's I think it's still out there. So we'll see the fact that the Sagittarius like season of 2023 came to an end. I think December 22nd was the last day and nothing really happened was a little bit of a letdown, but um, I still think there's something there. Could be a foreshadowing of TS 11 next year. <laughs> I know it'll be like three years from now. Um, <laughs> all right, what is your number three? My number three is karma. So,
0: I mean the karma lore goes deep. That could be a double episode in and of itself. But you guys, I mean most of you guys that follow me or other theorists on TikTok know about the karma theory that there was possibly, I call it the lost era. Um there was this era in between 89 and Reputation. Bleachella, Taylor cut her hair and dyed it bleach blonde. Usually new hair ushers in a new era, but we never got that era. So we feel like maybe something happened through Big Machine Records and that album might have been scratched. I mean, there's just a lot of clues that there was an album called Karma.
1: Well, and to provide some even bigger context for newer Swifties, up until 2016, Taylor had released albums like Clockwork. So every two years in the fall, starting with her debut album, we got an album. So 2008, 2010, 2012. 2014 was the 1989. So we're headed into the fall of 2016. And that's when she did bleach her hair and she started adopting this new look. And we were all revving up like this is the new album that's coming. She had just wrapped her 1989 tour. And so Things were about to start happening for whatever was next. And Big Machine definitely treated her and her albums like clockwork. Like they definitely followed this system, which she has kind of mentioned now that she's out of that contract, that she's just going to kind of keep creating music and releasing it the way she wants, which we've seen with the release of Lover in 2019, two albums in 2020 with Folklore and Evermore. So she's no longer following those rules. But so for 2016, we're heading to fall. That's when the Kim and Kanye drama happened and she kind of was called out for stuff and canceled essentially. I mean, people did not want to hear about her. She was very overexposed at that time and she went in hiding for a year. So it's very valid to assume that there was supposed to be an album released in 2016.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And... As far as fan lore goes, we've kind of dubbed the color of that album like a bright orange. Um, There's just a lot. You can get down a rabbit hole of karma, honestly. Um, But yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: that's my number three. What's your number two? My number two is Woodvale. Is Woodvale on your list? Woodvale is probably your number one. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I knew. I knew we'd do this in the wrong order. Okay, um, why don't we skip then, and let's talk about Woodville last, and we'll just say that that's my number two. I would love to hear your number two, and then let's talk about Woodville. Okay, my number two is Argyle.
0: and until, Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, until somebody tells me that Argyle, that Ellie Conway is not Taylor Swift, I'm going to keep going with it. And I've gotten some messages like, oh, it's a man. The publishing company said it's not Taylor Swift. No, 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 no. Until you show me her face and you tell me this is Ellie Conway, it's Taylor Swift.
1: Yeah. So let's, (laughs) let's back up. Let's talk about that. So for people who have no clue, they've never heard the name Ellie Conway, what happened? Okay. So I got a quick
0: tip. Um, from somebody back a couple months ago. I think maybe, what was it, like four or five months now, um, which is how a lot of my theories start. Someone will give me a tip and I'll kind of go off of that from there and research it. Well, I got this tip that there's a new author by the name of Ellie Conway who's coming out with a book. She's never been published before, yet there's a movie coming out by the same name that bought the rights to the book for $200 million. That doesn't happen with an unpublished author, especially someone that's never shown their face isn't on social media till very recently. So well, I kind the of
1: premise thinking- of the book, like the premise of the movie, right? Like the plot line is really centered around the book. It's like, Ellie is not only the author of a book that is a real book that just came out, mm-hmm. but the plotline of this movie is that as Ellie Conway, the character, is writing her book, Argyle, that the scenes, it's like a spy novel, are coming to life. And so it's not just some book that they were like, this is a great, uh, you know, script and we really want to turn it into a movie it's like the book is such a central part of the plot line and so for them to choose somebody who's absolutely unknown and has never published a book before so just wanted to kind of give that sidebar and the the actors in this are insane
0: well and the two things that caught my eye when i watched the trailer was bryce dallas howard plays ellie who has red hair just like taylor had in the all too well short film at the end when she wrote a book the second mm-hmm. thing is, is they're using a Scottish fold cat, which Taylor has. So those are two things that kind of caught my eye right away. But it's very kind of confusing. So Argyle is a series of four books. And the movie Argyle is actually based off the fourth book, which is didn't oh, really sad. Yes. Jason Fuchs wrote the screenplay for Matthew Vaughn. Who's married to Claudia Schiffer? Their cat, Chip, is the cat in the movie. So, yes, the screenplay is based off the fourth Argyle book, which we will get when? We have no idea because the first one just came out on January
1: 9th. The visuals from the movie are insane. Like, you can side-by-side them with some of Taylor's uh, music videos. And if you're a newer fan and you have not gotten into, like, the lore of Taylor Swift music videos, they are absolutely their own production. And they're all, you know, some of them are tied together. It's kind of its own like cinematic universe whenever you look at all of her uh, work of music videos combined. And so there's a lot to pull from. And when you look at the trailer of Argyle, there's absolutely parallels to some of the visual imagery and artistry that you find in Taylor's work. Definitely.
0: And I, I mean, so from there, I've done, you guys can check out my playlist on TikTok called Argyle, and it's got all the lore in there. Um, we will definitely be doing a longer episode on this and going, you know, step by step on why I think Ellie Conway could be Taylor Swift. Um, there's a lot of clues. So An, many. So many. An antihero Hero, when she's at the chalkboard and she's got the the pointer and mm-hmm. she says everyone will betray you, she points to E-L-L-Y.
1: <laughs> That's how it's set up. I know. To me, the biggest clue in the most like obvious way is in the lover era during an interview where she was specifically talking about Easter eggs. She said the number one way that she loves to leave Easter eggs is through her clothing. And in that interview, she's wearing an Argyle sweater. Mm-hmm. Like, you think that she would say that in an interview and not have the clothing she's wearing be an Easter egg? Like, you know, there might be times where she puts things on her body that she's not trying to Easter egg out, but not the interview that is designed to be about Easter eggs.
0: Yeah. So, And I uh, think that, you know, it, when people say, oh, well, how would she have time? Okay, this could be five, six years in the making. She could have done this a long time ago you know?
1: Yeah. And I I don't want to underscore Taylor's talent and time, but I think it's hard for those of us who have, you know, 40 hour a week jobs and kids and real lives to understand like how much time there would be if we weren't, you know, kind of stuck to that same monotonous schedule that most people are. Like if I can spend my quote, eight hours a day that I spend working, doing things that Taylor's doing, it really does allow for more. And, you know, she's working constantly. Like she is working late nights. She's, absolutely on her phone doing research going down her own rabbit holes writing lyrics who knows maybe writing a book i don't think it's impossible i think it's hard because sometimes we put the time that artists spend in their work into the construct of our lives which we don't have that much free time but if we didn't have our kids or jobs even like think about laundry and things that take you know a lot of time for us taylor has people to support her with which allows her more time to to do the fun stuff. Um, yeah. And the other thing is there's been, I think there's like a blind item or something that said that it was J.K. Rowling. And I think there's no way in hell no. that Hollywood put $200 million and a multi-deal franchise. Like if there's gonna be multiple movies, like there's no way in hell they're doing that for yeah. J.K. Rowling giving all the backlash and the things that have come out about her. And um, I don't think it's a man. If it is, that's fucked Up because not only would it be a man hiding behind a woman pseudonym, but this Ellie Conway uh, Instagram account and some of the other, even Penguin um, Publishing House, right? They have referenced Taylor Swift. They are absolutely using Taylor's name and likeness to promote the book now. And I really think if it's not Taylor, That is due to you, Jesse, because your theory went so mega viral that fans started flooding the Instagram and all the social media pages of Ellie Conway, the official Argyle movie, and Chip the Cat's Instagram. Mm -hmm. They knew as soon as you posted that. um, I do think that if it's not Taylor Swift, then they are absolutely co-tailing Taylor Swift. There's no doubt about that. So. Um, it's interesting because I feel like if she didn't, if it wasn't her or one of her at least friends, she would come out and shut it down because they are using her name. Even the chip, the cat posted like with Taylor's cats, like there, there's very much, it's not even a gray line. They are using Taylor's name.
0: Yeah. They're definitely using her for marketing. Um, Mm -hmm. if it's not her and I will be pissed if it has nothing to do with her whatsoever, because I mean, why lead people on to think this just for the mark? I mean, the marketing of it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's not good all around. Yeah,
1: but it could be a friend. It could be, you know, it could be Blake live. I mean, it could be anybody. Right. So, um, so yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm really excited. And that movie itself is coming out on February 2nd, I Mm -hmm. believe. And then um, the book came out on January 9th. So if you haven't caught the book yet, you can go buy it. And if it's not Taylor, here we are marketing it on behalf
0: of her. Yeah, Um, shout out to um, Penguin Random House, too, for sending me a free
1: copy of that book. Yes. Well, and Penguin Random House, in that inbox that they were sending to creators, said Taylor. So they were like, by an unknown author. And then they put in parentheses, maybe Taylor Swift. Yeah. So again, that's like an official company who is putting her name in to kind of like Easter you, egg out. So. You think Tree would shut this down by now? She, yeah, she would, especially with how big it's gotten. And we're talking a huge Hollywood blockbuster. So um, Taylor is some way involved, I'm sure, financially. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, so we have to interrupt this episode. We filmed this on Sunday, January 14th, and there have been some pretty major developments to the Argyle Theory as of this week. So we would be remiss if we did not talk about that. So this episode has quickly turned into a two parter. So, second week, we're already giving you guys extra content. But we definitely wanted to make sure we address what occurred. So it's kind of a worst case scenario. As you know, we talked about Penguin Random House reaching out to Swift Talkers of all sizes. Basically, they said, would you like a free copy of Argyle by Ellie Conway? And then in parentheses said, or Taylor Swift. So you have this huge publishing company, name dropping Taylor, going after small, mid and large size creators for Swift Talk. And now it's pretty much confirmed by the director of Argyle that Taylor is not the writer. His name is Matthew Vaughn. And what's interesting is on all of the marketing for Argyle, it says from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn, he has come out and acted like... He had no clue Taylor was involved, even though his wife, Claudia Schiffer, runs an Instagram account for Chip the Cat, which is like an official account that is tied to the movie. And she has been not only posting things that include pictures of Taylor or allude to Taylor, she has also been receiving thousands of comments from Swifties. So for him to act like on January 16th that he just found out that people are theorizing about Taylor and to say that he would never jump on the bandwagon is insane because the book came out a week ago on Tuesday, January 9th. So we are exactly one week in, And if you don't know, the New York Times bestsellers list runs from Tuesday to Monday. So he has completed the first week of sales for the New York Times bestsellers list and has just now decided to come clean. So we will talk about all of that with more details, but it does feel like Taylor's not involved and that the swifty community was maybe targeted i know that we do go crazy and we have theories and whatnot but the the inclusion of taylor's name in the penguin random house messages that were sent out to swifty creators and some of the other ways in which they were clearly eliciting swifties and people who like taylor swift is why we said if taylor isn't the writer she's somehow involved or this is insane so we're on the, this is insane trail. So stay tuned. We'll put that at the very end of the episode, but we want to continue through the top three and then we'll get to a part two where we talk about Grammys and then get back into the Argyle theory. So we'll continue on right now. All right. My number one I can give, and then we can go into your number one since okay. we know what it is. So my number one is karma. Okay. So like- we already talked about karma. Karma, yeah. And well, and the only thing I want to add to that, not only is it a lost album, I think it's a rock album because she was definitely playing with the um, rock vibe. She'd done a couple live performances. Um, one of them was at the Grammy Museum. If you get on YouTube, look up Wildest Dreams at the Grammy Museum. That is a electric guitar, kind of rocky version of Wildest Dreams. And so Wildest Dreams was in 1989. We are headed into our next era. She starts kind of trickling in some rock themes, just like she did with the Red being kind of half pop, half country. Mm-hmm. So I truly believe she left that era on the table. And so when Karma or the Lost Album, which has been dubbed Karma because in I believe it was April of 2016, so the spring ahead of when she would have been releasing something that fall, she had done a interview with Vogue. It was called like 73 Questions with Vogue or whatever. Um, they said some something in karma that they asked her. Real. Yeah, her response was karma is real. That well, I forget exactly what the question was, but her like looking at the camera and being like, "Karma I think it is real." What do
0: you want people to know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and the way and again, those are those are Easter eggs where you're like. That literally could just mean that she's like, bitch, I'm coming for you. Karma's real. But it also could be her having hinted. And then you look back and you're like, shit, she literally said the name of the album in this interview. Well, I mean, think about Rep. You know, all I think about is Karma. Yep. And then, of course, the man wall. If you haven't heard of that, the man music video, um, her male character that she plays is peeing on a wall in a subway station. It has all of her lost albums. And right in the middle, it says Karma. Yeah, so, definitely. And when she when she announced Karma, the song from Midnight, she did the Midnight's Mayhem with me, which was a series on social media where each night she kind of rolled like a bingo ball thing and pulled out a track number and then announced the name of that song. When she announced Karma, she laughed, Broking like laughed internet. at us. Broke yeah. internet. Like, even, yeah,
0: like Karma coming out of her mouth right now is like, well we're just going crazy.
1: Okay, so getting into your number 1, which was actually my number 2, so we just skipped over it. Let's talk about Woodvale. So, what is Woodvale, Jesse? So,
0: I'm glad you asked, Anna. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: because this is literally my Roman Empire. Like this is my favorite. <laughs> this is my favorite topic. Um, a lot of Swifties, newer Swifties, I guess you could say, or Swifties that don't really pay attention to the theories, don't know what Woodvale is. And I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, gritty gritty here. Um, we can do an episode on it or part of an episode on it. But Woodvale, essentially, the theory behind it came out in 2020 after Folklore was released and Taylor Swift went on Jimmy Kimmel there was a piece of artwork um, on a folklore cover that was not used and it had Woodvale very, I mean, you couldn't even see it up in the tree line. Like it wasn't even noticeable, but it said Woodvale. Well, Taylor Swift went on Jimmy Kimmel and he asked her, are you planning on releasing a third trilogy album to folklore evermore called Woodvale? And she just kind of took a beat and she didn't say no which is my favorite part of this love that she didn't say no she um said that she was tired so um she did say that it was it, there was a mistake in
1: the editing and the rollout and taylor doesn't make mistakes like yeah because then she'll later say none of it was accidental whenever she wrote mastermind and yeah to clarify a little bit more clearly so it was you said it was like hidden in the trees this is why mm-hmm. we zoom in on every damn thing that she posts like you gotta you gotta zoom at times 100 and kind of work around because like it was not visible from like a outset, right? Like nobody would have really seen it, but yes, when you zoomed in on the tree line in the corner of the piece of work, it was white text over a black and white photo of trees. And so the word Woodvale was there. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of, it was a little trippy to your eyes when you were zoomed out because there was so much going on with the trees behind it.
0: Yeah. You couldn't see it. And her, her reasoning at the time was that she wanted to see what the album would look like with the title on it. And I guess she said Folklore's um, mock title was Woodville because she didn't want to release the name of, you know, the the album. And she did say later on that Evermore's code word was November, which Hmm. I still think is an Easter egg for something. I don't know yet, but... That
1: is interesting. And has she ever, before this point, did she ever have kind of fake names leading into a new album where she would have been being secretive like that? Not that I know of.
0: Not that I know of. I do know that for a long time, Lover was going to be called Daylight.
1: Well, but that's a track, right? So like, that's where Woodvale's a little odd um, Mm -hmm. because there's not really a track. Same thing, I believe, Speak Now. There's rumors that they wanted to call it Enchanted. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that would make sense, but. For me, Woodvale really comes into play with the with the scrunchie set, <laughs> like, but there, yes. there's a lot of threes that happen. So just so you guys know, there was a um, official like Taylor Swift scrunchie set that was sold on our website. At the time, you had Folklore and Evermore both representing kind of the colors of this like auburny red and then Evermore was like a green and then there was a blue scrunchie and people were like, what the hell's the blue? Because I believe it was for the Evermore line maybe that the scrunchie set was released.
0: Yeah, it was not for midnights, as some people say. But no, Mm -mm.
1: it was it it was. It was a long time before that. Like that was like um, even before she had uh, released fearless I believe it was kind of in one of those Mm -hmm. kind of release deserts we could call it Um, the other thing is like the cat Christmas card there was the three different colors that year we'll get we'll do a whole episode on this so if this is not recapping for you then I trust me we'll get into it Um, but for me when she released evermore she did that Apple music interview with Zane Lowe, and one of the first things she talks about is how evermore was born out of the fact that when they finished and released folklore her and Aaron Dessner like couldn't stop writing music together and that it kind of you know at first she was talking about maybe this will go into big machine not to be right it's or it's big red machine which is yes. Aaron's big red machine and that's not- all part of this Woodville scope is an album
0: called you know big red machine um, and, it, which is kind of a collab
1: album, but it's technically Bon Iver and Aaron Dessner. Yes, Bon Iver and Aaron Dessner released it. Taylor does have a song in there called Renegade, which is fantastic and feels like it could Good easily song. just squeeze right in to like yep. Evermore. Um, yeah, but, definitely. Birch but the, as well. What'd you say? She has another song on there, Birch. Yes, yes. Renegade for me is just like, mm, like that's one that's, that's so one good. of those ones I just listen to all the time. Um, so the other um the other re- so thinking back, so she is saying in that interview during the Evermore era that they couldn't stop writing music and then it just formed into this other album. Jesse, isn't there something I feel like recently it might have been at the Eras tour with Aaron. I feel like she's alluded to them writing like currently writing songs together. But am I crazy? Yes. No. Okay. Um. A couple times on stage,
0: she's talked about, and Aaron's talked about this in interviews, how they have not stopped writing. Currently, they're yes. still writing, and I think at one point in one of her eras monologues um, during the surprise set before she or while Aaron was on stage, that they've written upwards of thousands of songs
1: together. What? I don't think I heard that. That's yes. insane. Well, and um. You know the you know he had some bits on Midnight's right. I think the after like the original set of Midnight's was Jack who yep. produced most of those, and then the all the songs from the Great War through most, Dear Reader, yep. yeah, it would have mm-hmm. been mostly Aaron's songs. So obviously, if they were continuing to write, those could be some of them. But Midnight's was released before they started the Eras tour. So anything that she would have alluded to while on tour that they were writing, we probably haven't heard yet.
0: No, and I just feel like, in a way, ever, Folklore Evermore would be a trilogy to me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's wrapped up yet. I feel like Augustine and James and Betty and Rebecca and like all these characters that she created, there's still more to come. I just think, and whether it's called Woodvale or not, because I doubt she's going to use the word Woodvale, we just refer to that trilogy album to Folklore Evermore as Woodvale.
1: Yeah. But like, she should call it (laughs) Woodvale.
0: Yeah. Woodvale's a great name, honestly.
1: Yeah. And
0: it, you know, I have done some research on where she even got that name. We can do that in another episode, but
1: yeah. Yeah, girl. I've seen some of it. It's some good stuff. It's some good stuff. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Awesome. So those are our top three theories that we're still holding on to. And trust me, I've got like a top 10, but like those are the ones that I truly feel like are likely going to happen, um, even if it takes a while. So we'll see. Mm Mm-hmm. So as mentioned before, this has quickly turned into a two-part episode. Obviously, Jesse and I are just learning through this, so we may not need to cover so much in each episode because it quickly turns into an hour. But we want to respect your time, which is why we are going to break this into two parts. So if you have things to do and you need to take a little break, this is your intermission come back for part two. But if you are ready to keep listening, we are posting both at once. So it is available if you're ready for part two, we will cover the Grammys. So we're going to do a deep dive into the history of the Grammys with Taylor. We're also going to talk about this year. And then of course, Jesse has a theory to reveal. So you definitely need to come back for that. And then we will get right into Argyle and a little bit of what happened this week with the revealing that it's not Taylor Swift, as well as maybe some things that you may have missed. So absolutely follow up with part two. And as always, we love you guys. Bye.